Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. today is from John chapter 12 verses 1 through 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was the perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used to steal what was put into it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. When the great crowd of Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and believing in Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Josh, for the reading of our scripture this morning. It's always such a joy, it's always such a joy um, on Confirmation Sunday, especially as the families come forward because I get to see who's, who belongs to who, and that's really good because I know often we have parents with the students and grandparents too, um, and I always, love, I always love to see that. I want to just say right up front, I have made edit after edit after edit on this sermon to keep it short. So God willing, it will be. But there are no guarantees. Today, in addition to Confirmation Sunday, it is the first Sunday of Lent. And so that's why we're wearing purple to symbolize Lent. And in addition to that, we're starting a new sermon series called Passion, God is still with us. And this word passion comes from the word, the Latin word, and it means suffering or enduring. And God is still with us is sort of a play on the Advent theme, O come, O come, Emmanuel, God with us. And I think we still need to remember that even though it's not Christmas time, God is still with us. And so we're going to join a journey. We're going on a journey with Jesus. And he is traveling to various places that will ultimately take him to the cross. It could not have been an easy travel itinerary for him. And I know that, and I can't imagine that any one of us would want to travel along this road with him. But the places that Jesus visits, I think, are worth spending some time in. And so today, this morning, we enter a warm and inviting place a place filled with friends. It's good to be with friends, isn't it? Don't you love to be with friends? It's where you can be yourself. It's where you can let your hair down a little bit. It's where you can relax and enjoy one another's company. It's where you can be honest 
and authentic. And Jesus is hanging out with his friends. And they are some really, really good friends that he is hanging out with. And one of them is Lazarus. Lazarus is a really good friend of his. And they have been through a lot together. A lot together, Jesus and Lazarus. In fact, they could probably spend hours and hours recounting all the things that they have been through. And of course, gathered at this home and this meal are Mary and Martha. And we know Mary and Martha. At least we've heard of Mary and Martha. You know, Martha's the one that's always doing all the work. She's the one that's getting her hands dirty. And she's the one that's making sure that things get done. And then there's Mary. Cora Mary's a little bit, she's a little quieter, more contemplative. And Martha often has to remind Mary to do her part. If I had to hazard a guess, and this is just a guess, with these three siblings, Lazarus and Martha and Mary, I bet Mary is the youngest. (laughs) I bet Mary is the youngest of the three. But they're gathered in this home in Bethany, and they're with Jesus' disciples. Well, we know at least one of the disciples is there because we hear it named. We hear him named, and it's Judas. And if he's there, then there's a pretty good chance that the other disciples are there as well. You know, James and John and Peter, those guys. And they've gathered for a meal. They've gathered for a meal, and Martha is busy preparing, as of course we would expect her to do. She is preparing, and I'm guessing she's also making sure that Mary is doing her job too. Maybe she is making sure that Mary is putting out the best china, the best silver, and maybe even their grandmother's crystal goblets because it's a really special time and you only bring those goblets out on a special occasion. Fresh linen is on the table and maybe the centerpiece is a bouquet of lilies. The guests are reclining as was the tradition. They're enjoying some good food and laughter and they are most likely doing some celebrating Because Lazarus is not too long from the grave. He'd been dead for four days, Lazarus had. And they said that his body had begun to stink. Word was sent to Jesus to come to Bethany, and he did, to help his friends. And, of course, Jesus works the miracle above all miracles. What does he do? He raises Lazarus from the dead. So I'm guessing that this meal among friends that they are having is not just any kind of meal. It's not just that casual Saturday evening get-together. Hey, why don't you come over to my house tonight? We'll grill out. Sure, what would you like me to bring? Oh, I don't know. Why don't you bring a tossed salad or something? Okay, sounds great. Want me to come over about six? Sounds great. This was something more. It always is in John's gospel. John loves symbolism and metaphor, and he's always pointing to some sort of deeper meaning that is happening. I mean, when you heard that scripture that was read, did you wonder why is Judas the only disciple that is named? Because you and I know, we know when we hear the name Judas, it is not good. And John tells us that Judas is the one who is going to betray Jesus. He's the one that has been stealing from the common purse. And what kind of friend is that? What kind of friend is that? And what kind of disciple is that? And now we have probably been betrayed by a friend or two, sadly, you know, if we live long enough. And we know that it doesn't feel good to be betrayed. And then stealing from the offering plate? Why was Judas even there? Why was he there? 
And did you notice what Judas did? I think it's worth noting. There they are, are hanging out, are enjoying themselves. And Mary, Mary gets it. She understands why they've gathered. She knows what's at stake, Mary does. And she spends a small fortune on a bottle of perfume. And she shares what I think is one of the more intimate moments in the Gospels and among friends. She anoints Jesus' feet with this expensive perfume. And she lets down her hair, which is not the custom. It should have been covered. She lets down her hair, and she begins to wipe his feet with her hair. The moment is deeply moving. It's an act of worship. And the scent of the perfume fills the room. You Maybe you could smell it. The room was so quiet you could hear a pin drop. And the disciples are probably sitting there and they're looking on in awe and wonder with a dawning realization of what was happening. And then the moment is broken by what I would call a modern-day version of gaslighting. I just learned what that word is. I had to throw that out there. I know y'all probably know what that is. <laughs> It's when someone intentionally manipulates you or a situation trying to cause you to doubt what you've seen or what you've heard. It's that killjoy moment, right? You're having fun, you're enjoying yourselves, and all of a sudden someone throws that bomb, not literally, figuratively, out into the room and y'all go, what did you just say? Has it ever happened to you? I know that it has. Did you see it? Mary is kneeling at Jesus' feet, perfume, expensive perfume. And she's taking down her hair and wiping the feet. And you can just imagine that this perfume was covering up the lingering smell of death from Lazarus having been in the tomb for four days. And then Judas says, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And all eyes turn to him and utter, huh? And the moment is shattered. It's gone, just like that. And we've all been there. You're having a good time. You're enjoying yourself, planning a trip. Maybe you're, you've purchased something, bought a gift, and, and done something. And then someone says, how much did you pay for that? Or, I can't believe you bought that. Or maybe, that's not worth the price. That's for sure must be nice to be able to afford something like that. And for some reason, when somebody says something like that to us, it takes away our joy. But sometimes it's okay. I think it's even necessary to be extravagant in our giving. Jesus tells Judas, leave her alone. Leave Mary alone. This extravagant gift that she is giving is the right thing to do. Because she knows what Jesus is doing. She knows what he is all about. She knows that he is going to give his life for their sake. She's been listening. She's been watching. And she knows he is the Messiah, the resurrection, and the life. And all who believe in them, even though they die, will live. She knows this. Now, for me, it would be easy for us to just sort of skip over that last verse, but I want to throw it out there because I think it's worth noting. 
It's one that I think that sometimes we use to justify not helping others. You know, the one about the poor. We often hear that. Well, you know, you're always going to have the poor with you. Jesus says, you will always have the poor. So some might say, well, there's nothing we can do about the poor. Jesus said it, and that's just the way it is, and I can't do a darn thing about it. But could it be, and I'm wondering, could it be that what Jesus is saying is that so long as there are selfish disciples, because clearly Judas is a selfish disciple, so long as there are selfish disciples, there are those who are concerned about themselves, unconcerned about the needs of others, unable to give of themselves extravagantly, so long as there are Judases in the world and maybe even in the church, is it possible that this could be why we will always have the poor with us? I don't have that answer. But the gathering of friends in Bethany with Jesus, I think, is John's way of capturing for us a snapshot of discipleship. Our confirmands have been learning all about discipleship and learning about John Wesley, too. (laughs) It's good to know that John Wesley was human. We hear about all of his... uh, exploits, and um, sometimes he appears superhuman, but he, he was human just like the rest of us. But they've been learning about the meaning of discipleship. How many weeks? Chad, how many weeks have they been studying? How many? Fifteen weeks. Y'all, that's a long time to be studying for this day. And we are proud of you. Your parents are proud of you. It's a big deal. But equally significant is discipleship. And I think in this this passage that we have, we have an example of discipleship. We have Martha, a servant leader, and you all want a Martha when you're planning an event. You want a Martha because you know that Martha's going to get caught in the details and Martha's going to do what needs to be done. And then there's Mary. Mary is devoted to Jesus. She loves him with her whole heart. And disciples are called to love Christ with their whole heart and to give extravagantly. And she does that. And there's Lazarus. You think, how is Lazarus an example of discipleship? Well, he's a witness. He is a witness to the power of the resurrection. So don't think for a moment that this miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead is going to stay with Lazarus. There are actually people gathering outside of this home in Bethany waiting to hear about this story. And I can bet you that they're going to tell them about the raising of Lazarus. It's all there. Discipleship defined by acts of love. And at the center of it all is Christ. As we serve, as we worship, as we witness, God is with us. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then there's Judas. I know I would just prefer not to talk about Judas. I'd rather just leave him out and forget about him. But I can't help but ask the question, how did he not understand the teachings of Jesus? How did he not believe the miracles that he saw performed in front of him? How could he have traveled with Jesus and eaten with him, walked with him? And how could he not know that Jesus was going to give his life? How could he not know the value of Mary's gift? But I guess, you know, we need to be careful because there might be within each one of us, I know probably within me, there might be a little bit of Judas there too. 
That's what it means to be human. But there's something else, and we've put them around the church. You probably won't see them. I don't know where those diffusers are. They are, okay. We've got some diffusers around the church with the hope that you're going to smell a little bit of some spikenard, the nard. Um, but I don't know that you can smell it. No. But it was a pungent smell. And I would be remiss if I did not mention the aroma of this glorious perfume. Because <laughs> that Perfume is here in this space, a gathering of friends. We are gathered here with friends, and this beautiful perfume that Mary anoints Jesus' feet with, it has seeped into the windows and through the doors, and it has spread out. It's the aroma of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news for us, and that aroma is here. Our, our students and their families had a banquet last night, a very special evening, a gathering of friends, so to speak, breaking of bread. And they've been learning about being a disciple, about being a Mary, a Martha, and a Lazarus, and yes, a John Wesley. Learning about serving others. And y'all, confirmands, I know you've probably heard this a million times, and parents, you've probably heard this a million times. Confirmation is not the end, right? Confirmation is just the beginning. It's the beginning of taking your sleeves and rolling them up and getting them dirty. It's about serving people, especially the poor. It's about worshiping extravagantly our Lord. And it's about embodying the witness of what we believe. And you all, we all know the importance of what it means to live a life of faith and to live that out in our day-to-day -day life. And you all, I know it's hard for you in school. It's hard for you on the, on the fields, in sports, in your community and all the activities that you are, but you, you're an example of what it means to be a Christian. When I look at each of you, you know what I see? I see hope. I see hope and I see promise for the future of this church. And not just this church, but the global church. No pressure here, but for the next 20 or 30 years, <laughs> you're gonna be planning our future. You're gonna be planning our future. It's lovely to have Alice, who's 90 today, you know, I look forward to when I'm 90 and I can sit in the sanctuary in the confirmands. Y'all will be parents. You'll be raising your kids in the church. You'll be teaching them about what it means to be a disciple. That's not a lot of pressure, but I know that it is. And I pray that you will be faithful because you have been tasked with much. You have been tasked with much. So here in this place, this aroma is spreading, it's sharing. And the beauty of it is, confirmands, you don't have to do it alone. You have your parents, you have your families, you have your confirmation coaches, and you have this church to support you and love you. But more importantly than any of that is that you have Jesus Christ who is right there with you. Don't ever forget that. Jesus does this walk, this journey of faith with each one of us. And for this, we are grateful. In fact, I think that's good news. Don't you? Don't you? Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at mariettafumc.org or on Facebook at Marietta FUMC.